back to Relic Radio Thrillers, stories of action, adventure, mystery, intrigue, available every Friday at relicradio.com. Our story comes from Dark Venture this week, a series that debuted over ABC stations in June of 1945. It aired until August of 1947, produced 52 episodes. Our story today is from August 7th, 1945. It's titled Eclipse. Over the minds of mortal men come many shadows. Shadows of greed and hate, jealousy and fear. Darkness is the absence of light. So in the sudden shadows which fog the minds of men and women are to be found the strange impulses which urge them on to their venture in the dark. And now for tonight's venture in the dark. We bring you Mr. Charles Barrett in Eclipse. Tell me, Mr. Police Commissioner, how long ago did life begin for you? Forty, forty-five years ago? Well, life for me began about 24 hours ago. Yeah, 24 hours ago, I woke up. I was lying in a ditch beside a railroad track. When I first opened my eyes, I saw the sky. It was clear and very blue. I sat up and saw that my knee was sticking out through a hole in my pants, that all my clothes were dirty and torn. I started thinking, wait a minute, what's happened to me? I rubbed my eyes like you do when you first wake up. My hand ran across something sticky. I looked at my hand. Blood. Yeah, dry, sticky blood. I figured I must have fallen off a train. I've been thrown off. I got up. Then this bum started walking up to me. I could see him quite a way off. Hey there, young fella. Yeah? You hurt? No, I'm all right. Well, what's the matter? Nothing, huh? I'm all right. Dizzy, I guess. You've been kind of banged around. Yeah, I guess I have. I better rest a bit. Sure, Pete, sure. That, that, that's the idea. Uh, what happened? Get bumped off the rods? I, I don't know. Well, how'd you be in a ditch if you wasn't bumped off the rods, huh? I don't know, I tell you. Okay, Pete, okay. My name isn't Pete. Oh, well, I just call everybody there. Um, what is your name? My name is... Well... My name Well? I can't remember my name. You can't... You can't remember? Are you kidding? What are you trying to pull? Don't even know your own name. I tell you, it's true. I don't know. I can't remember. It's not so easy to forget your own name, Pete. Look, don't ride me. Something's happened to me. I don't know just what, but something's wrong. Well, where you from? What? Where you from? I don't know that either. Well, uh, what are you trying to get away with, Joe? You can let me in on it. I won't spill. I'm not trying to get away with anything. I just can't think. I just can't remember. It's crazy. Hey, you really got it bad, ain't you, Joe? Well, let me, let me see. I was... I was... 
No, it's no use. Hey, look in your pockets. Maybe you'll find something with your name on it. Yeah, maybe. I never thought of that. At least it's a chance. Yeah. But, uh, what's wrong now? There's nothing in my pockets. They're empty. You're in bad shape. You don't know who you are, where you're from, and you ain't got nothing in your pockets. Oh, uh, where you head? I can't remember. Well, if I was you, the first thing I'd do is try to find out who I am. That's, that's kind of important. Yeah. Well, I seen the train pass through, the train you fell off of, and I don't know where it was headed for, but I do know where it started out from. Where? Chicago. Chicago? Yeah. Now, the thing for you to do is head right back to Chicago and start asking questions. And, oh, maybe, maybe you better pay a little visit to the hospital and have them look at your bean. Now, Pete, you don't look so good to me. Mm -mm. You don't look good at all. Yes, Mr. Commissioner, that's how it started, with loss of memory. Amnesia. That was bad enough. But if I'd known how much bigger and more terrible my problems were going to be, I never would have come back to Chicago. Anyway, I hitchhiked in. When I saw how people were looking at my torn clothes, I thought I'd better pay a visit to a tailor. Good afternoon. Come in. Thank you. I, I'm... Such a beautiful day, I don't feel like working already. But when it's got to be, it's got to be. What can I do for you? Well, my clothes... Such a mess. You had an accident, eh? Yeah, I'm afraid I did. What's the matter with me? Sit down, sit down. You look terrible. <laughs> you could use a little drink, some brandy maybe? No, thanks. I feel okay now. I... I'd just like to have these clothes sewn up and pressed a little. Could you do it while I wait? I think, man, with pleasure. Look, go into the back room, throw your clothes through the door. You'll find the wash basin. You can wash that cut on your face. That's very kind of you. There's only one thing. Yes? I'm flat broke. I couldn't pay you for them now. Maybe in a day or so. All right, a day or so, a week or so. Go and make yourself at home. And while you're washing up, I'll mend the pants. I'll get him in first class shape. So I went into the tailor's little back room and took off my suit. Then I went over to the washstand and started to wash. My head felt better as soon as I got a little cool water on it. I sat down. I tried to figure what would I do. Where would I go from here? Then I noticed something about my pants belt. It was bulky. had a little zipper in back. When I opened it, money started falling out in tight rolls. Bills were crisp and new. I thought my heart was beating loud enough for the tailor to hear it as I counted the money. There was $50,000. Hey, mister, how are you coming with the clothes? Huh? Oh, oh yeah, they're ready. I'll, ha I'll hand them to you through the door. Good. I'll have them fixed up like new in no time. You sit there and relax. You look like you can stand it. Yeah, relax. Relax with 50000 bucks strapped around my stomach. Well, the little tailor fixed my clothes, and I looked fairly respectable again. You know, I never seen such nice material in a long time with that suit. That's all? Yes, it cost a beautiful dollar, believe me. Where did you get it? Where did... Well, wasn't there a label on it? No, the label had been ripped off, so why am I asking them any questions? <laughs> Goodbye and good luck. What do I owe you? So when you earn a few dollars, come back and we'll figure it out, eh? Well, let's do it. About twenty dollars? But before you said you were broke. This I don't understand. That makes two of us, my friend. 
You can imagine how I felt, can't you, Mr. Commissioner? I didn't know what to do, where to turn. I thought of going to the police, but something in my subconscious mind warned me against it. When I looked fairly respectable again, I went out on the street and began walking. I didn't know where I was going or why. Fifty thousand bucks. I tried with every ounce of strength to crash through the wall that separated me from my past. Oh, it was no use. I must have walked for miles. Because suddenly it was dark. I was on a dismal little side street lined with hock shops, hamburger joints, and hockey tucks. And then some punk kid brushed against me. Hey, mister. What? You better fade fast. What? You're being tailed. What do you mean? A guy's been following you for the last hour. Following me? Relax. Don't get so jumpy. Boy, you must really be hot. Now, look into this window. You can see his reflection. The tall, skinny guy in the white suit. I see him. How do you know he's been following me? Because I've been walking a little behind you ever since you turned down 14th Street. And I can tell when a guy's being tailed. Why are you telling me then? Because maybe you'll be a big-hearted guy and slip me a bill for it. And because maybe I don't like cops. Cops? Sure, sure, he's a cop. I can tell him a mile away. Yeah, you must really be hot, mister. It's easy to say now that I know what I should have done, Mr. Commissioner. I should have gone up to this guy and had a showdown right then and there. But panic is a funny thing. It begins almost before you know it, and there's no cure for it. No cure at all. I began hurrying as fast as I could. And I didn't stop until my wind gave out and my legs weighed a ton. And I looked back. I'd lost my friend in the white suit. For how long? I had to find a place to sleep that night. I saw this little hotel on a side street. Straightened my tie. Wiped the sweat off my face. Started through the lobby. There was no one at the desk. I rang the desk bell. Little fellow with glasses came up. Yeah? I'd like a room. Rates a dollar and a half in advance. That's all right. No luggage, huh? No, I'm just staying overnight. <laughs> That's all right. Very few of them bring any luggage. What's your name? Huh? <laughs> just what's your name for the hotel registers, huh? My name, my name is Bronson. Uh, Howard Bronson. Howard Bronson. I thought for a minute you were going to say you were one of the Smith boys. <laughs> Here's the key, Mr. Bronson. Okay. Now for the dollar and a half. Yeah, here. Twenty dollars? That the smallest you have? That's all I have. All right, I suppose I can change it. You sure it's good? Didn't make it yourself now, did you? It's good. <laughs> oh, no offense. It's just my own little girl. Okay. I'll take another nickel out for this newspaper. Sure thing, sure thing. And here's your change. <clears throat> now, why don't you go up to bed? You look very tired. I tried to sleep, but it was no use. Why had that man in the white suit followed me? What had I done? Not knowing. 
not knowing almost drove me out of my mind. Out of my mind? I was already out of my mind. And finally I must have dozed off because I was suddenly in the middle of a terrible nightmare. Guess heard you screaming. We wanted There's nothing, to... just a nightmare, I guess. I'm all right now, I think. Uh, I'm glad to hear that. Is that all you wanted to know? Not exactly. Well? A detective came in a while ago inquiring about somebody. Detective? Yeah, city detective. That is according to the badge he showed me. Who did he want? No one named Bronson. Then why are you bothering me for? It wasn't Bronson he asked for, but uh, his description of the man fitted you exactly. How long ago was he here? Oh, about 20 minutes ago. Your name is Bronson. Yeah, sure. You know it's technically against law to register under a name. My name's Bronson. Okay. <laughs> Just wanted to make sure, that's all. You must have wanted somebody else. <clears throat> Chase has been checking up on all the hotels in this neighborhood. Says he might drop back later. What did he look like? Oh, tall fella, kind of slim, wearing a white summer suit. White summer suit? Yeah. You don't see many of those nowadays, do you? No. Are you sure you're over your nightmare? Yeah, I'm all right now. Okay, then. Good night, Mr. Bunch. Good night. Oh, say. Yeah? That fellow does come back. The uh, detective? Yeah, the detective. If he does come back, let me know. I just want both him and you to make sure I'm not the one he's looking for. Okay, Mr. Bunch. <laughs> Good night. After that, I didn't want to sleep. I got very jittery. I paced the room. One cigarette after another. Why had I said that to the clerk? I couldn't be so lily-white with that 50 grand strapped to me. Still, maybe it would be better to have it out with the guy once and for all. Finally, I forced myself to sit down. I picked up the paper and started to read. The front page was filled with news of a war I couldn't even recall and names that meant nothing to the shadow that had engulfed my mind. But down in the corner of the front page, what was this? A detective slain on train. Detective slain on train. George Bailey, Chicago Detective Bailey, the man in my nightmare, was found dead this morning in a roomette on a westbound train. Police officials report that he was on the trail of one Joe Latterly, who is believed to have killed a detective during an attempted arrest. Police throughout the state are on the lookout for Latterly now. He is known to be carrying $50,000 in stolen currency. $50,000. And stolen currency. Now what was I going to do? I was not only a thief, I was a killer. But funny thing. Somehow I didn't feel like a killer. I didn't feel like a killer at all. Mr. Bunsen! 
that detective came back. He's here with me now. He'd like to talk to you. Detect? Oh, yeah, sure. Be glad to talk to him. Well, wait just a second, though. I'll, I'll throw some clothes on. No, thank you. I wasn't having any of this. The only thing I could think about was to get away. I rushed to the window, raised it. Fire escape led right down to a back alley. Open up, Mr. Benson. I slid over the sill and started down the fire escape. As I raced down the steps, I heard excited voices above me. And then... They were shooting at me. This was a new sensation, Mr. Commissioner, and not exactly the most pleasant feeling in the world. Well, that convinced me. I was a killer. A killer at bay. What could I do? Where could I go? It was almost midnight. There was not one person in the world that I could turn to. That I knew. I didn't even know my own name. I didn't... Wait a minute. Wait a minute, yes. Yes, I did know my own name. Joe Latterly, the newspaper said. Joe Latterly. I saw an all-night drugstore down the block. I closed myself in the phone booth there. Started thumbing through the directory. Sure enough, there it was, Joe Latterly. I wrote down my address. Began dialing my telephone number. While the number rang, I felt a cold sweat come rolling down my face and neck. Soaked into my collar. Hello. Hello. Just a latterly residence? Yeah. Yeah, what do you want? This is Joe. Joe? Yeah. It don't sound like you. I had a little accident. You get the money? Yeah. Any trouble? I killed him. Look, I better see you right away. Yeah, but don't come here. The cops are thick as flies. You better meet me at the usual place. The usual place? Yeah, yeah, at Mom's. Okay, at Mom's. Oh, hey, look. This accident kind of must up my memory. What's Mom's address again? 229. 229? 9th Street, apartment 204. 204, okay, I'll see you there. Gee, you sure sound funny, Joe. What happened? I'll tell you about it when I see you. <laughs> So I had a wife, and she was in on everything. You see, Commissioner, the jigsaw puzzle was beginning to make some sense. A wife. I couldn't even remember the color of her hair. If only I could break through the shadow. Ten minutes later, I was standing in the entrance of a very classy apartment hotel lobby, not a soul in sight. As I began looking down the list of numbers for the right doorbell to ring, I felt myself going shaky again. There it was, 204. I pushed the bell. I waited. Then the door buzzer sounded. I pushed open the door and started across the lobby. No one in sight. No one. That was a break. I pulled my hat down over my eyes as I started up the steps. See, I was beginning to think like a hunted man, like a killer. I took the stairs to the second floor. I started down the hall. Two hundred... 202, the next door, 204. The door was ajar. I wanted to call my wife, but what was her name? Honey? Honey, are you there? No answer. 
pushed the door open. The room was in darkness. I felt along the wall for a light switch. Found it. And there, waiting for me was this detective. The tall, skinny guy in the white suit. I let my nerves take over. I jumped from the room, slammed the door shut, and started running again. But this time he had a better chance at me than before. As I hurried through the empty streets, I could hear him coming right behind me. I ducked down alleys and across backyards. He was right on my tail. I couldn't run much further. I was all pooped out. Then I bumped smack into somebody. Hey! Watch where you're going. I didn't see you, officer. Well, not exactly an officer. I'm a night watchman. Who are you running from? Why, nobody. Nobody at all. I looked up and down the dark street. The detective was nowhere in sight. I don't know. You weren't exactly strolling along. Come over here to the street light. Let me take a look at you. Hmm. Well, you must know I... I got in a little jam with a lady. I, oh, well... Oh, oh, so that's it. The way you run, I bet you're a hard man to catch. <laughs> yeah. Well, get on with you and be more careful next time. You may not always get a head start. <laughs> I guess that's right. Good night to you. Oh. Yeah? I, I live on the other side of town. What's the quickest way to get home? Yeah, Elevated train station, two blocks from here. That's your best bet. Okay. You better hurry, though. The last train pulls in at one o'clock, and it's pretty close to that right now. I'll hurry. Night. I began walking again. Once I got away from this neighborhood, I'd have a chance. Chance for what? I wasn't sure. But a man with 50,000 bucks could do a lot of maneuvering. I saw the lights of the elevated station ahead, and in the quiet night, I heard the rumble of the approaching train, the last train. I started jogging. I couldn't miss that train. Hey, wait up, you! I took a quick glance over my shoulder. It was him again. My friend in the white suit. I raced up the steps three at a time. When I got to the top, he was at the bottom. Stop! Or I'll kill you! I'd never heard a deadlier sound in that voice. The last train was just pulling in. The detective was coming up the stairs, kind of slow. For some reason, I didn't have time to figure out... train stopped. The doors swung open. I got in. The doors closed, and the train was on its way. I looked back. The detective was standing on the platform just looking at the train. I didn't get it. Why hadn't he come after me? I couldn't figure it. Then I decided I'd better get some information from the conductor. Say, can you help me? Yeah, sure. What do you want to know? Where's this train go? 63rd Street. 63rd Street, huh? Can I get the state highway from there? No, you're going the opposite way. I've kind of mixed up my directions, huh? Well, the only way to get where you're going is to take another car back to the loop. Thanks. That was what I wanted to know. I decided to get off in a block or two in case the cop was waiting for me at 63rd. He must have figured he could beat me there. Probably have quite a little reception committee waiting. So I got up, started to walk to the door. Hey, yeah? Where are you going? You said I was going the wrong way. I'm going to get off at the next stop. Uh, you can't get off till 63rd Street. This is an express. I was just about ready to crack. I knew it would be curtains for me as soon as I got off the train. I kept hoping for a miracle. Maybe the train would crack up or 
Stop one station too soon, or... Oh, no. Oh, it's no use. Finally, the conductor called the station. 63rd Street! 63rd! And the half-dozen sleepy passengers started getting up and heading for the doors. Then I got an idea. Maybe I could stay in the car. Maybe I could wait. When the last passenger got out, the conductor looked over at me. Uh, that's where you transfer back to the loop. Uh, where's the train go? Up a few blocks, and we turn around and head back. What, couldn't I go back with you? Ah, uh, sorry, you gotta get out here and cross the bridge. Oh, but I don't see any... I car. don't make the rules, buddy. The company makes them for me. Well, I tell you, I'm just going hey! to... Hey! What's the matter? There's somebody behind you. Just come with me. I got a gun right against your back. It was him. I felt the gun rubbing against my spine. I knew I had only one chance. So I whipped around. I was lucky. I caught him with a hard right and went down. I jumped fast and got a service revolver. He didn't stay down long, though. As he got up and lunged at me, I let him have it. Right between the eyes. So there's my story, Mr. Police Commissioner. I'm Joe Latterly. I killed two cops. One today, one last week. Stole 50,000 bucks. I'm tired of the whole thing. I'm glad it's over. It's quite a story, mister. I don't suppose you remember how or why Detective Bailey was killed last week on that train out of Chicago? No. Well, we reconstructed the crime pretty well, we think. Began a week ago when a fellow named Steve Roycroft came to headquarters with a complaint against one of his employees whom he suspected of embezzling $50,000. And that employee was Joe Latterly. I see. Latterly had disappeared and Detective Murphy was assigned to the case. Later that day, he found Latterly taking the morning train out of Chicago. He called Roycroft and told him about it. Both Roycroft and Murphy made the train on Latterly's trail. They confronted him and got back the 50 grand. Who got the money back? The man it rightfully belonged to. Steve Roycroft. Well, where did I... Just a minute, just a minute. Roycroft got his money back, but Latterly made another try. Oh. He overpowered Murphy and killed him. He would have killed Roycroft, too, but Roycroft jumped for his life from the speeding train. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You got it wrong. I jumped from the train, remember? Exactly. But you just You're said... You're not Joe Latterly, my friend. You are Steve Roycroft. When you got your money and jumped from the train, you lost your memory. Then when you read that we were looking for the killer, Latterly, you naturally assumed that you were him. Of course, we thought Latterly still had the money. But heavens... What's the matter now? Don't you realize what I've done? What? Well, thinking I was Joe Latterly, I killed the detective who was trying to bring me in. Detective? Yes, just now. On the elevated platform. Oh, but that wasn't a detective at all. But then who... He was Joe Latterly trying to get back his money. Or should I say, your money. Joe Latterly. That's right. And there won't be any charges. You killed him in self-defense. Yes, it was Joe Latterly all the time. That's why you met him in that apartment. It was his hideout. 
I know this has been a great shock to you, Mr. Rycroft. Shock, yeah. You're not well. You need rest. I've sent for an ambulance to take you to the hospital. Psychiatrist there will be able to help you recover the balance of your memory. I hope so. I hope they can make me forget where, what I thought I was. How do you mean? I've lived the life of Joe Latterly too well. Done something to me. I'd begun to think like he must have thought. Like a hunted killer. It's not going to be easy to return to the commonplace, routine existence of this Steve Roycroft after what I've been through. So I, uh, I hope I won't become too bored, Mr. Commissioner. Next week, at the same time over most of these stations, we'll bring you another original story about the land of the shadows. The story of two killers and of retribution out of the forgotten past. Join us then to examine at first hand the strange impulses which urge human beings into their dark venture. Eclipse was written by Larry Marcus and Robert Light and featured Charles Barrett as Steve Roycroft. Original music by Dean Fossler. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. There's more from Dark Venture at RelicRadio.com, more from Relic Radio Thrillers, all the other podcasts, and our Shoutcast stream. Lots to listen to there, all for free. Thanks to your support. If you'd like to help out, visit donate.relicradio.com or click on one of the links on the website. Your support makes all of this possible. Thanks, as always, to those who have. Thanks for joining me this week. Be back next Friday with another episode of Relic Radio Thrillers. Thrillers.